Welcome back for another episode of the Activation Hour podcast. I'm your host, Melissa D. White, and you're joining me for season two, our season of unlearning as we discover purpose at work and in the world. You're in for a treat today as I sit down with life coach, Comedy Wood, who helps us be our authentic selves by recovering from people-pleasing. The funny thing about people-pleasing is that it's defined as a person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his or her own needs and desires. In this episode, we're going to speak to certified life coach, Comedy Wood, and share the importance of exposing and recovering and healing from people-pleasing through unlearning and identify the self-worth that it takes to not only find our confidence in ourselves, not from others, but implement things such as forgiveness, self-compassion, and gratitude. Listen as we unpack the five signs that you might be a people pleaser, and we're going to help you recover. Welcome to the Activation Hour. From sales and marketing executive to now international speaker and social entrepreneur, tune in to the Activation Hour podcast as we share with friends and influencers the activation required to make an impact in sales, marketing, and the marketplace. I'm your host, Melissa D. White, the Activation Specialist, CEO, Corporate Trainer, and Nonprofit Founder. We're getting real about personal and professional moments that push us to our purpose at work and in the world. Now, let's get activated. Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Activation Hour, Finding Your Purpose at Work and in the World. I'm your host, Melissa D. White, coach male to some, but just simply Melissa going through a season of unlearning. And thank you for joining me for this season as we unpack all the things we thought we knew that probably got in the way of our true purpose and our life success. This season is radically just transparent and personal for me, but I'm sitting down with coaches from all over the world who bring a dynamic toolkit of gifts, and today is no different. This one, as every other episode, hits close to home because it's something I had to unlearn, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. So before I bring up today's guest, if you are tuned in with us on YouTube Live, we'd love to see your comments. Go ahead and click that button and subscribe. You'll want to share this episode. I promise it'll not only help you, but let's help some other people unlearn. So click um, subscribe and share this for others to join us in this conversation. Today, we're having a conversation about people pleasing. Oh boy. This thing can really be a monster if you let it get out of control. And the first step to addressing it is to call it out, to be honest about it. And the goal today is recovering from people pleasing. Let me just go ahead and define it and lay the groundwork before I bring on today's guest. So people pleasing. A people pleaser is defined as a person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his or her own needs and desires. In this episode, we're going to speak to none other than certified life coach Kamani Wood and sharing the importance of exposing and recovering from people pleasing through unlearning and identify that self-worth does not come from others, but it comes from implementing things within yourself 
such as forgiveness, compassion, gratitude, all of those things and those wonderful fruits within our own spirit so we can show up as our best selves for that purpose at work and in the world. So tune in and get your notepad ready because we're slaying that giant called people pleasing. Welcome to the activation hour. Hi, Kamani. Welcome. Hi, Melissa. Like my first um, anti-people pleasing is correction of the name. It's Kamani. Kamani, thank you. <laughs> no, please do. I, I, I receive it. Kamani, Kamani. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's like the word harmony. That's what I tell people. I love word association. That helps me so much. Comedy, harmony. Got it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I want people to get it right because you are a powerhouse and you share the most insightful information just in looking at not only your social media, but your page, um, just sharing about um, unleashing the authentic you, right? So tell us more about um, your movement as a coach to help people live their authentic you and how that even connects with people pleasing. So this actually, um, it's personal for me because just what you were just talking about in terms of going through your own transformation, I had to go through my own transformation. I am a recovering people pleasing for perfectionist. And so I really am passionate about helping people understand that those false identities they acquired as children, whether it be I'm not enough, I'm invisible, I have to prove my worth, which all have elements of people pleasing that come out with that. I'm in this, in my profession now, in a movement to help people understand they can release those identities and they can move forward with a new one that serves them in a better way. Oh, I love that, moving forward with a new identity. So as, as I said in the introduction, the first step is to expose it. Some people mm -hmm. may not even identify that they are a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. How, like, let's, 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 um, let's diagnose this thing. <laughs> if, if we were doctors here. If we were doctors, yes. <laughs> to diagnose before we can prescribe any coaching plan or cure here. What would be some of the symptoms of people pleasing? So the typical symptoms that um, I see and also have experienced myself are it's very hard to say no. We actually shy away from saying no because we're afraid we're going to offend somebody, which mm -hmm. leads into the avoidance of conflict, right? So we're not going to ever tell people what we actually think because we might, act, we might make them upset or cause some type of conflict. We, um, as people pleasers, might apologize or accept responsibility for things that aren't even ours. Um, a very easy way to describe this would be the person who is standing in a hallway and somebody else bumps into you and you automatically say, I'm sorry, even though you were the one just standing there. Mm -hmm. um, we lose track of how we feel, you know, and what I mean by that is we defer to what people around us are feeling instead of actually tuning in to how we feel. And another one that's very common is wanting to be liked and accepted because we have that false identity of not, I'm not good enough and I have to prove my worth, that we do anything and everything to be liked by other people. Oh, wow. 
four symptoms, guys. Let's unpack this, okay? If you're making a checklist, look, you can do that privately. We're not watching you. You can be honest. <laughs> um, hard to say no. Avoids conflict. Lose track of how we feel. Essentially assimilating to what other people feel. And mm -hmm. want to be like and accepted. And that sounds like something perfectly normal. Who wouldn't want to be liked and accepted or... Of course we want to say yes, but when does it become dangerous? When when does it become like, wait, this is more than just wanting to bring joy to the people you care about or be a nice person? When is it when when does this become critical or, or detrimental? Yeah, you know what it is? I equate it to um when we so when we're younger, you know, we'll have a plate of food and we're always taught we need to finish everything on our plate. Mm -hmm. And as people pleasers, what we do is we keep putting stuff on our plate and, and we keep trying to finish the plate and please everybody around us. And eventually we burn out because at some point you just can't finish everything that's on your plate. <laughs> wow. What a visual in my mind. And it, that could be a very physically unhealthy habit we've taught, but it's an emotionally unhealthy emotionally. one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And it's, and it's learning that it's okay to say no to somebody or to say, oh, I can't get to that right now versus just adding it to our plate and feeling like we have to finish it. It's the whole concept of accepting that it's okay to put something in the fridge for later. It's okay to have leftovers. <laughs> I love that. It's okay to have leftovers. If I had to have my quotable today, that's it. It's okay <laughs> to have leftovers. And, you know, you said, um, um, as I quote, I can't get to that right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a gracious way to say no. But you said it with love to yourself and to the other person. Not that no needs a justification, but I think that's where people struggle. It's like, well, I don't want to sound mean. Exactly. Exactly. And it's all about you can say no with love. It doesn't have to be this hard stance. No. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And but there are times that that's required, too, though. There are times where that's required. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we, we started with our diagnosis. So we've diagnosed people pleasing and there may be some that, you know, the scales are falling right now and they're coming into awareness like oh, that's me. <laughs> so before let's go ahead and attack the shame or the mm -hmm. guilt before you guys even go there. We're going to call you're going to reel you back in real quick. Talk about the emotion attached to this and how it can affect you. So that's very interesting. And I really like that question because it's something that we don't talk about a lot. When we talk about people pleasing, we don't talk about the guilt and shame that comes with it as we recognize that's how we've been showing up. And that's personal mm -hmm. to me because I know that when I finally came to this realization, my catalyst actually was when my children, my middle child specifically, was showing signs of people pleasing. I actually have five kids. So I tend to, they're my teachers. They're my best teachers. I love it. My middle child was showing the same qualities of people pleasing and worrying about making other people happy to her detriment. And that was my catalyst moment to kind of um, realize that she was getting that from me. But it's, it's the guilt that came with that and the shame that came with that. And it was working through that and recognizing one, I didn't do anything wrong. What I did was I was operating with the information I had and was showing up based on experiences I had as a child, right? So I didn't, I didn't 
need to feel guilty about the identity I had acquired, but rather I could learn from it and now move forward into the future I wanted to generate. And the shame around, especially being a mom, you, there was a lot of shame in feeling like, oh, I taught her the wrong way. And I think if parents mm-hmm. we do that, we go into this spiral of shame of I should have done better. And, you know, we, and then we don't even want to talk about it. We want to keep it hidden because we're almost embarrassed by it or we feel that we've let somebody down, somebody that we love down so detrimentally. And it was only when I was willing to bring that to the surface level and into the light, so to speak, where I could start working through it and realized that I didn't, there wasn't anything fundamentally wrong with me. It was merely just how I was showing up. And there is the ability to shift. There's the ability to change. And it's all about the decision, the decision to make that shift. Wow. I love how you actually handled yourself with love and grace by telling yourself there is nothing wrong with me. And you you took the stigma and the sting out of the shame because this was all your internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. Much of this is very much, it, it's internal. No one's pointing at you saying, you're too nice, you're too this, you're too that. We can be very mean to ourselves in our own heads, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nobody really points out that you're too nice because they're enjoying your niceness, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're the benefactors. <laughs> of your people pleasing. Let's yeah. talk about that. I'm so glad <laughs> you said that. You want, you know, I, I went through that. I was looking around when I became aware and mm-hmm. I began to change the behavior. Oof, my goodness. Did I feel empowered? Yes. But boy, did the people start to fall off because they were no longer the benefactors of the byproduct of people pleasing. Let's help people deal with that. You know, the, it, it, what you said is absolutely true. It is um, as we shift and change, the people around us are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn to become comfortable with the fact that the people who are meant to be in our life are going, yes, they might be uncomfortable for a little while, but then they're going to settle down and they're going to acclimate to the new way that we're showing up. Mm-hmm. Those that choose to fall off, we're not meant to be in our tribe. And it's Mm -hmm. coming to that acceptance level. You know, the analogy that I give to this is, you know, when you throw a pebble into the water and there's all these ripples, right? It's it's the water that was still is no longer still. There's all these ripples, but eventually it settles back down. Yeah. The same way as we change, as we're that pebble going into the water, there are ripples and people are affected, but those that are meant to be in our life and meant and, and want to be in our life and accept us as we are, they're going to settle down and be right there with us. I, I love that. You're so great with imagery. <laughs> Those who want to be in our lives will settle. They'll settle with that ripple. When the, when, when the wave resides, <laughs> when the ripples reside, then they'll still be there. Mm-hmm. They'll still be standing. And those are your people. Those are your people. That's mm-hmm. your tribe. Wow. Wow. I want to, um, you know, in my description, I gave the definition of people pleasing. And I think I think it's very important before we can um, address things to fully understand the terminology of it and the words around it, um, because that helps with the diagnosis piece. We said it's defined as a person who has an emotional need emphasis Mm -hmm. to please others often. And I'm going to stop there because I'm going to unpack the rest in a minute. 
when we say that people pleasing is an emotional need. Mm-hmm. So if I look at the definition, that means it's less about the part, the other people, the benefactors, and more about my own emotional need or issue. What emotional need do you feel like is actually unfulfilled when you're using people pleasing to fill it? For me, in my opinion, it's all about uh, living to those external validations and proving value. So we are sourcing our self-worth from an outside source, which is counterintuitive because if it's self-worth, we have to learn how to self-source it. Mm. External validation. Any other emotions that you feel are, I guess, voids or open doors to this? I think a lot of it has to do with finding or proving value, right? Proving your value to someone else, proving your worth, being seen. A lot of times with people pleasing, it's about um, feeling invisible and finally being seen. And we think that if we can make other people happy, they will see us and accept us. Mm. You know, it makes me think of, um, I've heard it quoted many times before about love that, you know, love is um, to be given, not earned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that people feel they have to earn love. Right. Do you believe that these type of emotions are things that you referenced childhood earlier? Are they yeah. like, can people pleasing start at childhood? Like when do we typically see these things embedded and form within us? I do think that the false identities do embed in the earlier years, but they can be with different experiences that we have throughout our life. I know for me personally, when I look back, mine definitely embedded as a, as a child, you know, growing up in a very predominantly white town with a name like comedy, it stuck out. I, I was, I was different looking. And um, I remember being in elementary school and having my name mispronounced numerous times and everybody would laugh and snicker and sneer. Well, the internal dialogue that happened with myself was, oh my goodness, I stick out, I'm different, I need to be, I need to figure out a way to be accepted. And again, as a child, I wasn't conscious of this dialogue, it was just the feelings that came up and wanting to be accepted. So the way that I counteracted that was, you know, make sure that I, I please others around me, I make them happy, I don't cause any ripples, I avoid conflict, I make things easier for other people, because then I'll be accepted and I'll blend right in. Mm. And so that's for me personally, where some of that false identity was, was um, where it started. And I've worked with clients who've had, you know, childhood false identities. It can happen though throughout, like I've had other clients where we recognize that maybe something happened in their teen years where, you know, they acquired a false identity along the way and, and sort of acquired it as, as the way to go. And that's how they started showing up. And it's about recognizing that, okay, that's how I was. I didn't, I don't have to continue being that way. I can now set this new intention for myself and then unpack it and figure out what commitments need to be made in order to live into this new intention. Oh, you know, it, I'm, I'm going through my own checklist here (laughs) as I'm listening to you. And um, one thing about unlearning is um, it requires you to go, Uh, on a journey and even coaches have coaches. So uh, one of my own coaches has said to me before, they call it going back to the scene of the crime. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Let's go back to little girl, Melissa. Let's go back. And you did that for yourself. You I went back to 
little girl comedy, right? Mm -hmm. And think of the first instance when you felt I need to assimilate or adapt what is really an untrue or unnatural thing for me to do and do the thing that's unnatural for others to feel comfortable with me. So if you are listening now, think about that for a moment. And then now start to make a list. Don't overwhelm yourself with that, but notice patterns of the type of people you do this with. Because <laughs> we don't do it with everyone. True, true. <laughs> and so let me give you some examples. This is, this is me, Coach Melissa, being transparent. Let me tell you my type of people, and this may help you. The type of people I typically have done this with are people in power, people in authority, people that I don't have a firm foundation with mean the relationship is already rocky and I'm afraid that they're going to leave. Mm -hmm. Okay. And oftentimes it's with um, those whom we deem have value greater than our own. Wow. <laughs> Whether that be an authority figure or a boss, it's like, oh, their title is bigger than mine. And I, I got to please them. Oh, wow. I, this, you know, this person, this guy, this girl, oh, they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. I, I have to, I have to do anything possible to keep them. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Who are the, who are some personality types? How, how do we identify it and deal with the people on the other end so we don't continue to attract or entertain that type of person or even our own unhealthy relationship with that person. Yeah. So what are some other, I guess, identifiers then um, of the type of people that we may be trying to please when I talk about that value, like people we deem who have a higher value. Can you share more maybe about that thought process of looking at someone else with higher value? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I think what happens also in relationships, whether friendship, because you brought up the workplace relationship, but I think it also happens in friendships and in romantic relationships where we sometimes think that the other person's value is, is greater than ours, that we have to defer. And so we end up playing, um, second fiddle, right? We, we end up doing all we can to make the other person happy and we lose track of ourselves. We lose track of our, our feelings and our needs. And truthfully, that's what ends up leading us into sometimes these codependent relationships or also toxic relationships. But because we're not standing in our own power and we're so worried about making the other person happy and that we are so concerned with somehow proving our value because, and it's not, again, it's not a conscious thing. But you're absolutely right. It's about in our own minds, we have deemed them more valuable than, than ourselves, that we constantly are playing less than, you know, we play less than we don't show up fully because we're so busy making sure that they're showing up fully. How can we make them be seen? How can we make them feel loved and cared for? And we forget about our own, our own needs. Whew. I feel like I'm getting coached right now, y'all. <laughs> Wow. Because we're making them um, or helping them show up as their best selves, 
then it's then we're taken away from showing up as our best selves or true selves. Our true self. Yeah. Ooh. So if I had to sum up what you said in a sentence, it would be a, a byproduct of people pleasing is unhealthy codependent relationships. True? True. Okay. So you guys are listening. And if you're tuned in, it's for a reason. You you saw that topic. I told you we are gonna, we're recovering, but we had we had to diagnose you to recover you. Okay. It's okay. We're gonna put you in the recovery room for the second half. Don't fret. We're not gonna leave you in this state. We wouldn't do that. It's two coaches on coaches honor. We will not leave you in, <laughs> in this state. So listen, we're gonna take a very brief break. I want to come back. And now that we have diagnosed it. We're going to recover it. We're going to soothe it. We're going to give you some practical tools on how to now refill your well, refill your own value tank. I'm going to call it that. I've coined it that here on the spot. We're going to refill the value tank so you can look at yourself with high esteem to kill people pleasing and show up as you said, your true selves. So again, don't go anywhere because we're going to help you recover. We're not going to leave you hanging. We'll be right back right here on the activation hour. Are you a manager, trainer, or executive that wants to see maximum results for your team? Well, let me help you with that. Training is for information, but coaching is for results. Learn more about Activation Coaching International and our coaching certification program for business leaders who want to see the best results and even help your team activate their purpose at work and in the world. 65% of people say that working with a coach helped them improve performance at work, and 80% said that coaching helped them improve their self-confidence. What better way to invest in your team than by being a coach through Activation Coaching International? Learn more at bit.ly slash ready to coach. See our show notes for details. All right, guys, we're going to put you in the recovery recovery room here from people, please. <laughs> we're joined again by none other than my amazing guest today, certified life coach who's on a mission to help you unleash um, your, your authentic you, Coach Kamini Wood. Listen, she helped us slay this dragon, but hey, you might be a little wounded. It's okay. We're going to deal with the people pleasing. So recovery, what are some steps maybe that you share with others? Because you talk about being your authentic you, that's being your true self. How, how, what tools do you have to fill people back up that value system, that value tank? One of the things that I often talk about is learning the concept of self-compassion, right? So as people pleasers, we tend to put ourselves down very quickly. Again, we, people pleasers accept fault when it's not even their own. So it's really important to learn the concept of self-compassion. So what does that even mean? That means learning to recognize when that inner critic is jumping into action and wants to tell us that we've done something wrong or that we are wrong or we should have done something differently. It's recognizing that, taking a breath and resetting ourselves and, and taking a moment to see what went well or what we learned from a situation rather than sitting in that that spiral of judgment. The second part of practicing self-compassion is recognizing that you're not alone. 
again, um, as a people pleaser, we tend to think that we have to put on the brave face. We've got to put on the superwoman or superman uh, cape, and we've got to go it alone and take care of the world. Self-compassion is rooted in this concept of common humanity versus isolation. And it's about recognizing that other people, while they may not go through the exact same situation, because our own thoughts create a reality, so people aren't going to experience something exactly the same way, but it's similar. So recognizing that we can ask for support. You know, Brene, Brene Brown talks about the strengths and bravery and vulnerability. That's exactly what this is. It's learning that it's okay to ask for support or for help by your, from your trusted sources and that you don't have to go it alone. And then the third component to self-compassion is practicing mindfulness. And what that really means to me is getting into the present moment but getting into the present moment without judgment or attachment. So it's really learning to shift from outcome-based uh, focus and into the process of how things are happening. We spend so much time either trying to fix the past, which we can't fix, you can't undo it, you can only learn from it, or we future trip and we're jumping into the future and solving all of the problems that haven't even happened, you know, we're worrying about them. So it's really about getting into that present moment and, you know, there are different tools to do it. Um, my favorite is really just tuning into my five senses, which brings me into the present moment. But these three, these three uh, concepts that, that, that create this concept of self-compassion are so important as you're starting to heal from the people-pleasing way of showing up. Because it's really learning to be kind to yourself and accept yourself and ask for support when you need it. So that's number one. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> number two is learning how to how to re-engage with your own feelings and your own needs, which is a huge one for people pleasers. Again, what happens when we people please is we lose track of our sense of self. And it happens in codependency too. We defer to other people. We defer to somebody else in the relationship for what they want or what they think. And so it's really slowing it down and asking yourself during the day, several times a day, what do I feel right now and what do I need? And I say that it's important to do both. One, because you really need to get in touch with your own feelings versus someone else's. And then really getting reacclimated with figuring out what you need. Because again, as a people pleaser, you're always taking care of other people's needs. And it's relearning and reengaging with your own needs. I love my two, that. my two favorite. <laughs> I love that. I love you. you that I love that you specifically gave us questions, self-directed questions. What do I feel? What do I need? That's good. Well, it's based in the it's based in Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication, right? Because this, the the third part of learning how to move from people pleasing is to start setting boundaries, and to set boundaries, we need compassionate communication. And so when we can get in touch with what we feel and what we need, we can then communicate effectively to other people what we request of them, not a demand, but a request. And this is this takes us from the people pleasing way of showing up into the I have requests to I have requests to fulfill my needs. Now, we can't control whether other people will fill those requests, but we re-engage with learning how to make the requests of what we need as well. That's good. Wow. I I like the idea of the setting boundaries. Um, this is what I've just seen personally, and I, I definitely want to go there and talk about um, learning how to set healthy 
boundaries. <laughs> um, how, and you mentioned the compassion and communication. Can you give us more tools on how to tell if our boundaries are healthy or unhealthy so that we create like our own safeguard around people pleasing? That's, that's very tough. It's, it's, it's really hard actually. And especially when you are so you're programmed into this way of showing up and mm -hmm. really what it comes. And that's why I say the first step is really identifying how you feel, because if you can identify that you're feeling a certain way mm -hmm. or you're like, for instance, if you recognize you're feeling angry, well, usually behind anger, there's another emotion. So I always dig deeper with that one. What's behind that anger? Cause usually there's a sadness, there's a fear, there's, an, there's anxiousness, there's something behind that anger. But when we start re-engaging how we feel and what we need, that's how we can start setting those healthy boundaries. What happens with unhealthy boundaries is when they're just all over the place because we're not in touch with what it is that we feel and need. And so when we're setting out to set those healthy boundaries, it, that's why it's so important to understand ourselves. And that's why I talk so much about my work is centered on healing that relationship with self, because when you're coming from that full and complete place where you understand yourself, you are able to then engage with other people in this healthier dynamic and are able to set those healthier boundaries. Oh, be in touch with what you really need. A lot of people aren't. <laughs> but no, you know, I have to, I have to make a comment on that actually, because I've even had clients tell me that's selfish. So that's the immediate, like, that's selfish. I, well, but if I put my needs out there, that's selfish. How, how can I do that? And that's how, when I have how? to slow it down. I, that is exactly, that's slow it down and say, wait, but if they're your need and you need this and it fills you up, if you're full and you're filled up, then you can engage fully with somebody else. So it's actually more selfish not to take care of your needs because then you're not coming to the relationship fully being able to engage. So mm. when you kind of back it up and recognize that it's just the way, it's the perspective that you're looking at what's selfish and what's not, you can, you can re-examine. And, and that's when you really need to start asking, and that, you know, the, the powerful question, do I know this to be true? Right. So is it really true that I'm being selfish by fulfilling my need right now? And when we really ask ourselves that most often we say, no, it's not true. It's not true that it's selfish. Truth be told, it's as surprised as I am. I've been there, though. And I have to be honest about that. I wasn't always like aware. <laughs> Self-awareness. And you guys, if you caught the episode previously with emotional intelligence and self-awareness with Valerie Sargent, I, matter of fact, go listen to that first. This is the follow up to that. <laughs> because you need you need all of that before you can get to the people pleasing. So yeah, there's there's levels to this season and how we're dealing with this. But um, be in touch with what you need. You know, it there's just one phrase to sum up what that is in my mind, and that's false humility. And I've talked to people who really don't believe it to be true. There's like how no, like especially in faith-based communities where there's this, no, I'm supposed to serve and love, which I'm all, y'all know I'm all for it, but it be, it can become dangerous when it's to your detriment. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. how let's, let's talk about the false humility. You, 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 you started that. We went down that road with, um, you know, the, that selfish of me, but mm -hmm. can you further define yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I'm going to answer this in a different way. Um, yeah, sure. So my, my seven-year-old, she loves reading those cards on the airplane. 
you know, the ones with the little safety cards. Yeah. <laughs> she actually said to me, she's like, cause she was looking, looking at it and reading the picture. She's like, mommy, this seems like, why, why would you wait to put this mask on the child? I mean, that's a child, right? And it's, it, my explanation was, well, if the adult doesn't take care of their own self and put that mask on and are able to breathe, they're going to pass out before they can help the child. <laughs> I mean, I said it in a loving way. Like, of course, I'm talking to my, my she was six at the yeah. time. Yeah. But, and we've all heard that analogy, you know, put your own mask on first. There is truth to that because if we don't take care of our own self, it does be, we roll into this just doing it for doing sake. We roll into autopilot and we roll into a place where we're actually doing things and we're, we're running on empty ourselves. So I know that I'm sort of going around what you were talking about, but that's You're how I... <laughs> how I would approach and how I talk about that is it's about, you know, you really do have to take care of self in order to be able to wholeheartedly give. And that's when you know that you're giving from your heart instead of just doing it to please somebody. I hope that made sense. <laughs> that's how you know you're doing it from your heart and not just to please them is checking your own self motives. Check yourself. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, this is good stuff, y'all. <laughs> so tell, let's tie this all with a bow here. So Kamini, tell us more about your work. Mm -hmm. um, for those who are listening, if we just scratched the surface. I know we scratched pretty heavy. It's okay, we love you. We love you because we want you to heal. We want you to unlearn and we want you to do so, so that you can love yourself in a new powerful way and be your true self. Tell us about um, your movement and everything you do with um, just exponential relationships and being authentic you. Yes, yes. So I work with individuals, as I mentioned before, on really healing that relationship with themselves truthfully so they can end the outsourcing of their self-worth. Because for me, it is about people really realizing that their magnificence is their own human spirit. And that uniqueness that they're bringing to this world is the gift that this world needs. We do not need to be carbon copies of each other. And we do not need to live to external expectations or external validations. So that's my mission. And um, I actually, it's so interesting when, when I heard about your program and the unlearn movement, I was like, yes, yes, because that's what I stand for. It's about, you know, my work with my clients is revealing those past, those past false identities, you know, uh, recognizing what inner work needs to be done. I, it's called the rise up program. So it's, you know, revealing those past identities, um, doing the inner work, becoming more self-aware, putting elements, using tools and strategies of how to move forward, unlearning right? So we're not, we're unlearning what, how we used to show up and we're programming this new way of showing up and we're writing this new story of how we want to live our life. And so that's truly what I'm doing. I'm working with people one-on-one -on, -one on, on healing that relationship with self. And what that means is that they can then enter into these healthier relationships with other people. They are starting to, you know, define success and happiness from themselves, not from some outside source. And they're actually truly living the life that they want to live and are engaged in it above and beyond, right? We're not, we're no longer on autopilot. It's about actually being present in our life. That's good. So the Rise Up program, if you want to learn more about this, learn more about the topic of dealing with removing false identity, and as you said it, end outsourcing your self-worth. 
that it so many quotables, but so many real lessons here. Coach Comedy Wood, how can we connect with you, your movement, and not only support, but become a part of it? I am easily found on the web at comedywood.com. And if anybody wants to schedule a complimentary call, all they have to do is head over to chatwithcomedy.com and schedule a time there. And we will connect and see what's going on and see how I can support. Awesome. So our final thoughts here, let's do our final unlearning lesson of the day. If you could sum this topic up just in one final statement, your power thought, like, hey, take this with you and sit with it, what would it be? Uh, I'm going to give you my power thought that that I carry with me all the time, which is that life is a journey that's happening through us and for us and not to us. And the reason why I anchor into that thought as a recovering people pleaser is because when things are happening, I recognize that it's happening for me and I don't have to go fix it. Mm. And it keeps me from getting into that people pleasing mentality. So remember that guys, it's happening for me. I don't have to be go back and fix it. Just live it, live through it and let it happen for you, not to you, but for you. Coach, I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you for your gifts, your amazing gems that you shared with us. Guys, don't let this journey derail you in unlearning. We're here to support you. There's tons of tools. Go back. I tons, pages of notes as always. <laughs> Make sure you click the link in my show notes to join the email list. You'll get my recap, my personal takeaways on how I will apply what each one of our guests have shared with us on today. Also make sure you leave a review. If you want to continue to get more great content, continue to live on purpose and finish out this season of unlearning, Check us out, leave a review, subscribe, and share with others. And finally, make sure you mark your calendars because it's coming, shifting from manager to coach, a manager's guide to coaching for results, especially in this season when managers are just not sure of how to radically lead people with honest candor and show up as your true self. We're giving you tips and tools on how to coach your way through this season to be a better manager as a coach coming to you in August of 2020. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Kamini, for your time, for your gifts today. Um, definitely make sure you connect with her. I love for all of my guests to feel your love, energy, and support. Leave us some hearts, some stars, some lights, wherever you're watching or tuning in today. You've been listening to the Activation Hour. I'm your host, Melissa D. White, and we'll see you right back here at the Activation Hour. Be well and stay activated. If you love this episode, please make sure to subscribe, turn on your notifications, and share with a friend. Also, if you really want to get behind the scenes, go now to our YouTube channel at The Activation Hour. The link is found in the show notes for you to actually see my guest live and in person and to even catch more details of our conversation behind the scenes. Stay connected and join us next time for The Activation Hour, Purpose at Work and in the World.